Good morning. Today's scripture is from Ruth chapter 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to live in the country of Moab, he and his wife and two sons. The name of the man is Imelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malan and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Imelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with two sons. These took Moabite wives, and the name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. When, when they had lived there about ten years, both Milan and Kilion also died, so that the woman, the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she started to return with her daughters-in-law from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had considered his people and given them food. So she set out for the place where she had been living, and she and her two daughters-in-law, and they all went on their way to go back to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find security, each of you in the house of your husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud. They said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Do I still have sons in my womb, that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. Even if I thought there was hope for me, even if I should have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you then wait until they were gone? Would you then refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, it has been far more bitter for me than for you, because the hand of the Lord has turned against me. Then they wept aloud again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die. There will I be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me, and more as well, even if death parts me from you. When Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. Word of God, word of life. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, this is a privilege to be here. <laughs> the story of Ruth. Uh, it's, a, it's a small book in the Old Testament. It's a story about uh, some women and famine and life and tragedy. Faithfulness and kindness also. To get some idea um, of, of when this happened, it's placed in the time of 
the judges. Now, uh, one way to think of it is when the kings of Israel, King David, we usually think of 1000 BC. So Jerusalem, King David, and if we go 200 years before that time, uh, there were no kings. Uh, the Israelites were spread uh, uh, in, the, in the hills and valleys, uh, loosely around 12 groupings, we call the 12 tribes of Israel. There's the tribe of Judah, the tribe of, of Benjamin. And there was no government, there was no uh, a connection of any kind of ruling amongst the group. They were pretty much shepherds and farmers and they just carried on with life. Uh, occasionally, um, if the Philistines were causing trouble and there was some other uh, kind of an outside force, they would gather and choose a leader and they would expel the threat. Um, but then when that was done, they would all just go back to being who they were back in their little villages, being kind of loosely connected. So this story, it starts in Bethlehem. I thought it's, it's kind of an interesting connection to Christmas. Um, Elimelech and Naomi, uh, two sons, uh, certainly in those days, and we see it all over the world now, so it's, it's probably never gone away, in that there are famines, there are times when people wish to move. Uh, things are not working uh, where they are. Um, they had heard, uh, you know, there was a, a famine in the area of Bethlehem. They had heard in Moab. Now that's kind of a, a cross from the Dead Sea. It's, it's on the, uh, the other shore. There's, there was mountains and uh, lush mountains and had heard that, that was, there was food there and there perhaps was a, a place to continue life there. And so, so they go there. Um, and... Uh, the two sons are able to find wives there, uh, Ruth and Orpah. Just a little interesting thing about the word Orpah. We don't hear that very much. Uh, we all know Oprah Winfrey, Winfrey, right? Her mother wanted to name her Orpah, but she misspelled it. <laughs> so it came out Oprah instead of Orpah, which is, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I think they were probably good years in that, the, you know, the sons had found wives there. But Elimelech died, which would be a huge, uh, huge tragedy in the family. But the two sons were there, but then they died. And so then that left Naomi in a really desperate situation. And it's important to think of, in those days, at that time, a woman pro probably of the age that she was to lose uh, sons and a husband really puts her in a vul vulnerable position. Uh, she isn't someone who would own property, uh, would not be a laborer uh, in the same way. Uh, it can be a desperate situation. And the only hope was really if there was family that would, would be helped to, to go back uh, to, to that family. And so she wishes to go back to Bethlehem. I know it's a common phrase in the Bible, you see it several times, it says, take care of widows and orphans. And that's, in those days, what it was, was recognizing these are the most, most vulnerable people 
around. And if, if, you, and if someone doesn't care for them, they don't have much of a chance. So Naomi decides to go back to Bethlehem. And it really seems apparent, you know, in the reading that was done, and there was a strong connection that these two Moabite women had to Naomi. I mean, that was love, and, and, and uh, it, it really was strong. Naomi, she was trying to tell them, as we saw, look, I have nothing. I have nothing to give you. I'm an old woman. Go back. You still have a life. There's a chance to have husbands. Go back to your people. Go back to Moab. And don't follow me. And both were very tearful. And Orpah ends up hearing this and going back. Um, and certainly she was just taking that advice. You got a life. Go back. But Ruth was, was different in that she just didn't want to go back. And then she speaks one of these, to me it's one of the most beautiful words, um, collection of words in the Bible, when you're talking about words of commitment and love and faithfulness. Um, you know, she says, don't tell me not to follow you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, your God, my God. And where you die, there will I be buried. And may the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates me from you. Wow. Uh, Ruth said no more. Ruth had just pledged her life to her. Well, there's more to the story. Um, they go back to Bethlehem, and they go back as desperately poor, the two of them. And there are people that recognize them, and they say, isn't this Naomi? Naomi answers in kind of a strange way. She says, don't call me Naomi. Naomi has a meaning. A lot of words, a lot of names have meanings. The meaning of Naomi is pleasant, or gentle. Um, and so she says, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Mara has a meaning too. It means bitter. Bitter. Just think, her. she had traveled there full, and she tells them that, I, I traveled 10 years ago from Bethlehem full with a husband and two sons, and now I come back empty. And then she declares, uh, it's kind of hard to hear somebody say this in the Bible, but the Bible is a, it's, it captures the life of a people. She says, God has afflicted me and brought calamity upon me. She does come back a bitter woman. Now, there's more to this story, but I just want to pause a little and just, just take, just look at that. There is, you know, belief in God and the way that God works in our lives, I think is, is quite complex, understanding that. There's ambiguity there. There's mystery. 
But there's always been a long-standing simple belief that goes something like this. If we are good, then God will bless our lives and, and nothing will go wrong in our lives. If we are bad, God will punish us and our family. Of course, one difficulty with that is if we do feel that we have been kind and we have followed God and something terrible happens, what are we to think? God becomes a huge mystery then. If not God seeming unjust, even mean. We certainly can find ourselves in those times like Naomi, bitter. I'm sure everyone has had something like that to go through. There was a similarity to this, I remember, way back in 1986 for my family. Uh, I'm from a family of five boys. Um, many of you know John, so you know two of us, you know me. David was the youngest, uh, 13 years younger than me. In 1986, he was in the Colorado Mountains and was struck by lightning and killed. He was studying to be a pastor. He was a youth director at that time, leading a youth, uh, a, a group from his church there at this Christian camp um, in the Colorado Mountains. Um, so you say, why? Or how, how, do you, how do you understand that? And so to me, uh, life, this world, why things happen the way they do, belief in God, to me, it, it is, it's not simple. It's, it's, there's mystery there. There's, and it's, it's kind of like Paul was, said, uh, we see through a glass darkly, that, you know, there's certainly, we don't have full sight. I do believe that God's ultimate uh, will for our lives and his movement within the world is compassion and kindness for us. But it is a world. It's in a kind of accepting the world that God did create that there is illness, there is, there is death, uh, there's lightning, and, uh, and there are wills that work against God's will. That's all in this world. And that certainly does not make life easy. But I believe that God certainly is there. Well, let's go back to the story. Ruth comes back to, to, uh, to Bethlehem with Naomi. And it's important to note that, that she, is, um, she is a Moabite. She is a, she is a stranger, a foreigner. And the Israelites kind of looked down on the Moabites. So uh, she didn't come back in, uh, immediately. Uh, people probably looked askance at her a bit. She cares for Naomi in her bitterness. Uh, first, they have to survive. They have to get food. And so she uh, goes to a field, um, and she sees servants there, and she asks, um, can she pick 
uh, from the grains around the edges of the field. Now that actually is a tradition in the Israelite society. Uh, one of uh, compassion was the idea of harvesters were to leave li a little grain at the edges uh, for the desperate poor, uh, that they could, could collect something and they could just go home and take it. She asks the servants if, if she would be able to do that and they give her permission. It's later then um, that Boaz, who, who's the owner of this field, um, he takes notice of this woman and he asks the servants, who is this woman? And they say, she is the Moabite woman who came back with Naomi. And she asked us and we gave permission to take these small grains from the edges of the fields and she has started in the early morning and has not rested all day, but continues to gather what she can until the evening. And Boaz and other people have heard of this woman and have been kind of amazed at her dedication to Ruth, uh, to, to Naomi, giving up everything and coming. I think Boaz here is, is one of the first ones in the story who's, who's recognizing that Naomi did not come back from Moab to Bethlehem empty, but came back with a gift. Boaz sends words to his servants then uh, to protect, uh, protect Ruth and see that she, and invite her to your table when you're eating during the day and help her find larger uh, amounts of grain. I, I think it's interesting, there was twice when I was reading the, the story of Ruth, uh, the word, the English word that was translated was molest. And, and they were both in context of, of um, lest they molest her in, in the edges of the field. And, I, and I'm kind of thinking, uh, at the edges of the field, were the poorest of poor, the desperate, the powerless. And there's always bad actors. I wonder if that was a dangerous place to be. Because Boaz made specific instructions, tell her not to go to any other field where he couldn't protect her, and have her stay at this one, and told her servants to protect her. I think Boaz is becoming a gift here. Naomi wonders, uh, uh, who, where, where is this place that you're getting all this food? What is this farm? And she says, oh, it's the man, the owner is Boaz. And then Naomi, she smiles and says, that's my relative. So there were gifts that were happening. What are we to take from this story? Life, our lives, there's mystery and beauty family, tragedies, disappointments, challenges, setbacks. But I believe there's God's gracious gifts, gifts in our midst. We may find ourselves like Naomi with bitterness and confusion. We may ask God then to give us eyes to see the gifts around us, to notice who's there, through understandings, through people, through family, and through the stranger. 
And I think also in this complex and mysterious life, God may be choosing us to be like Ruth as well, where we are the gift. I think that's present here. We could say it to come from the story. Um, we may be called, and who are we being called? To help somebody else who really needs a gift. And then the larger part of this story is, is Boaz marries Ruth. From, uh, from their union comes a child. Uh, and uh, she is, Ruth becomes the great-grandmother of King David. So they're certainly from the lineage of David, and there we go another uh, thousand years to, uh, to Bethlehem and, and Jesus. And I think there, at this Christmas time, we've, we've seen, uh, we can speak of the greatest gift that we have is Jesus himself from God. I think we, we benefit in two wonderful ways. One is that there's the gift of God's grace and love and forgiveness through Jesus. So that's a gift to us. I think also it is a gift of us to hear the call to follow Jesus. That we become the gift to others and living a life of compassion and generosity and love to others. I think that gift is wrapped in the paper of meaning and purpose. And I don't think we can live without that. I like this story. Amen.